Welcome to the Rise Method podcast, where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve. Let's jump in. Hey, folks, just quickly, we've started making these shorter podcast episodes that you can listen to them while you're on a break from work, maybe going for a short walk or doing some meal prep. Enjoy. So in gym culture, we often reward people for putting in effort. And you may do this when you see someone post a photo or maybe a video of themselves training and they've you know, got the sweaty t-shirt going, they're huffing and puffing, and you might think to yourself, oh wow, they're putting in a lot of effort. They have earned their reward and their reward might be the results, progress towards their goal, whatever it might be. And that is somewhat validated in the literature. So we have studies that demonstrate that the harder you train, the better your results. And we see that in muscle growth. The harder you train, the closer to failure where you can no longer do another rep, the more muscle growth occurs. The higher the intervals of your training, the better the results in terms of you know running and cardiovascular fitness. So we have this innate drive both uh, you know physically um, and also mentally with training and then also scientifically in training to say, well, the harder we train, the better our results. And that's built in gym culture where we have that saying of no pain, no gain. And it begs the question of, well, how hard do I really need to train to actually see some progress? How hard should I train? Because there are some limitations to training so hard. Training at a really high intensity, training at a 10 out of 10 effort all the time has its limitations. So firstly, we could talk about the mindset side of things. So if you have this preconceived idea that you need to train 10 out of 10 every single time, there needs to be a really big hype up to get yourself to 10 out of 10. And honestly, we're all humans here. Hopefully we're all humans. The aliens haven't taken over yet. And We all have other stresses in our life. We've got commitments, we have responsibilities, we've got family, we've got work, we've got social lives. Um, Even just from day to day, you know, we have our ups and downs. So the question is, you know, are we ever really training at 10 out of 10? We know that our performance can fluctuate, you know, 10, 20%, depending on the, the day, depending on the environment, depending on our stimulation. So if you are constantly wanting to train at a 10 out of 10, you might find that you're only training, you know, once a week because you're only really 10 out of 10 once a week. Or you might be training just a few times a month because lining it all up perfectly with all the other things that are going on in your life might be challenging. So when you actually think out the question of, well, when are you actually going to train? If you're going to wait until you're 10 out of 10, oh, you might be facing some, some problems, both timing-wise and then mentally. You're building yourself up quite a lot. And then when you go and train, if you don't get a 10 out of 10 effort, like, you know, a new PB on a on a squat or a deadlift or a new, um, you know, fastest time to run a five kilometer or something, you might feel disheartened and go, well, geez, I didn't get uh, a a new result, new effort, new 10 out of 10. I'm not progressing. I'm not improving. Uh, That's a waste of time. It's not good. I'm not deserving of this. And, you know, we go through this negative cycle. That's the first kind of problem with, you know, really building ourselves up to train really hard. Next, we need to appreciate the fatigue that occurs when training at a high level. Firstly, you know, with weightlifting, when we're training at a higher level and we're talking like 10 out of 10 effort. And when I say 10 out of 10, you know, we can rate our own effort on a subjective level. So if I'm going to like get up off the couch or even less than that, I'm chilling on the couch watching Netflix, that might be a one out of 10 effort. I've just got to like relax my body into the couch. Whereas if I'm going to get up and walk to the kitchen to get a snack, that might be like a two out of 10 effort, a three out of 10 effort, right? 
if I'm then going to carry, um, I don't know, uh, a few drinks in my hands for the family and, you know, carry a bit of load and like walk, walk that to the living room, which might be up some stairs. Okay. That might be like a four or five out of 10 effort. Um, if I'm going to then go and start moving some furniture around and maybe move a fridge, there might be a higher effort, you know, six, seven, eight out of 10 effort. Then if, um, I don't know, I've got to take the, the bins out and I can hear the, uh, dump truck coming and I'm going to sprint out of my house, grab the bins and run down my driveway as hard as I can to get the bin to the front of the house so that it can get picked up by the garbage man. That might be closer to a nine, 10 out of 10 effort, depending on how how much that is. So you can kind of scale your own effort depending on the, the, the position that you're in right now. And then also the task. So maybe running might be a high effort energy uh, thing versus doing a bicep curl might not be that, that difficult. So we can, we can rate that. So training at a 10 out of 10 effort is really fatiguing, really tiring. And consistently training at the maximum effort just decreases the total amount of work that we can do. So if I'm going to go train in a gym and every set I'm trying to take close to failure where I can't do another rep, that can diminish the performance of the remainder of my workout. Uh, so, you know, let's say I start my session and I'm doing some squats. The first set, I go to absolute failure. But then the next set, you know, I struggle to get a quarter of the reps on that. And then the, the third set, I'm able just to get one rep and that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm gassed physically, emotionally, mentally, everything. And then we've only done, you know, one real set of squats and the other two have just been half-assed efforts. And then if I, after that, I'm going to go do some bench press, I'm just so gassed physically, emotionally, mentally from doing that squat, oh, I'm not training my, my chest or my shoulders or my arms at all. Then if after that, I'm going to go do some bicep curls, oh, my, my biceps are not getting trained because I'm just so gassed or anything before. So we have to, you know, compromise and be like, well, I can't be training 10 out of 10 every single time. Then we face some problems with the next session that we do. So if we train, let's say the squats on a Monday and then Let's say we want to train again on Wednesday, but we're so fatigued from that one set of squats on Monday that we can't even train again on Wednesday. And then we have to train on Thursday. We can't even do that. We have to train on Friday. We start to face problems on long-term muscle growth because of the volume that we need to do. Then on the other side of things, let's say you have fitness goals. Let's say you want to run a half marathon or even a marathon and you decide, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to do some hill sprints on a Monday, but to build up to a marathon, you need to you know, start adding some more volume, you need to do some, some 10K runs, some 15, 20K runs. If, you start, if you're focusing on doing 10 out of 10 efforts on your training, you might find that the next training session uh, has a diminished return. And the next session after that is diminished return because you're just trying to recover from the session prior. The final thing to consider is that when we are training at higher intensities, higher volumes, higher loads, 10 out of 10 effort, there is an increased risk of accidents happening and that could be you know let's say your technique starts to deteriorate through the set so that your squat doesn't look like a squat anymore kind of looks a bit like a deadlift pattern and then you start loading up some joints and tissues that you might not be planning to load up uh, with that load and you know an injury occurs or maybe if you're running you're training at such a high intensity that that's when you start to develop things like shin splints plantar fasciopathy those types of things so we need to appreciate that training at really high efforts does increase the risk of something occurring that is maybe a little bit of a, a negative effect. So it's a little bit of a, a balancing act. On one side of things, we get some better results when we train harder, but then we also have some side effects that come with training harder. Now, this 
can kind of get complicated because we can go down a really big rabbit hole and try to um, micromanage everything and try to optimize our training and go, well, oh, geez, I'm afraid to train to failure because this might happen, but then I need to train to failure so that I get the best results. And then we just end up in a point of, uh, you know, decision-making paradox. Well, oh, geez, I, I, it's too complicated. I'm not going to train. I can't optimize it enough. Um, there's too many variables that I'm just, just that's it. I'm not going to do it. And the main takeaway from this is that some training is better than nothing. So going to the gym and doing something is better than nothing. If you are on one extreme where you are hyping up training so much, it needs to be a 10 out of 10 effort, you need to take all the stimulus as in pre-workouts and coffees and you know sniffing salts and everything else you can find, you need to have the most hyped up music, you can't train unless your buddy's there as well um, in a specific environment, in a specific gym um, under the certain conditions because you can't do a 10 out of 10 effort, then you're never going to train. And then on the flip side, if you go to the gym and just going through the motions and you know, you're going nowhere near failure, okay, you're not going to see the results. So we need to be a bit like Goldilocks and find a good balance between training to failure and putting in some effort in our training. So there is some concepts where if we train close to failure within maybe one or two repetitions from true failure, and imagine that, like you're doing um, you know, bicep curl, and you're just doing bicep curls and keep going. And it reaches a point where, you know, you can't do any more bicep curls because the bicep can't contract anymore. Or maybe you can't get enough momentum to lift up that, that um, bicep curl. Or maybe the technique changes or you start leaning back and do a little bit of a swing. You know, it starts to change the movement. Or maybe mentally, you're like, I've had enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. That is what we can define as failure. So if you aim to train close to that, so maybe like one rep away. So maybe you finish the set and you're like, oh yeah, I could have done maybe one more rep or maybe two more reps, that's perfect. That's what we're aiming for. Sometimes when we are a beginner, we have a really hard time determining where failure is. And even in those intermediate and advanced folks, we have a similar problems. And one of my favorite studies where we looked at NFL players, you know, Grudine over in the States. So uh, professional athletes, and we asked them, okay, what is your 10 rep max on a bench press? And they might go, I don't know, you know, 120 kilos or whatever they are, you know, athletic dudes. And as they're going, through, then, then the researcher would say, okay, well, show me your 10 rep max at, at 120 kilos. So as they're going through the bench press, cool, they get into rep seven, rep eight, rep nine, they start to slow down. And then the uh, researcher would go, come on, you can do it, you can do it, keep going. So they get 10 reps, keep going, keep going, 11 reps. Come on, you can do more, 12 reps, 13 reps. And from all the participants in the study, the average additional reps that they did was another five repetitions. So these folks who were training were saying, oh yeah, my 10 rep max was X. Then when they go to demonstrate it, they were actually get, able to get 15 reps out. So we are really bad at choosing where um, our true failure is. But I also think that's not quite fair, where depending on the situation, if I'm there egging you on, you know, you've got, I don't know, the... Um, kind of like a gun to the head type idea where you know, I keep doing more reps, more reps, more reps. Yeah, you can always find that extra gas, but then you're kind of tapping into the future. You're tapping into future resources. So yes, you might be thinking, well, my 10 rep max is this, but according to this research, I could probably get a few more reps out. Yeah, you might be able to, but is that really like helpful reps? Is that helpful work to put on the end of it? Uh, that's the question. That's the, the zone where we get some of those negative effects occurring both acutely in the, within the session and then long-term. So the main takeaway from this, I hope, is that 
I want you to just be cautious that you're not building up training to a point where you don't actually do it because you're waiting for the, the best, best of the best and that you're not just going through the motions. We need to kind of push ourselves a little bit in the gym. Try to train to a point where it's challenging but not unachievable, where the weight might be slowing down. You know, you're doing, let's say, bench press, rep number three, number four, number five is quite quick. And then as you get to rep number six, it kind of slows down a little bit. Rep number seven, it slows down a little bit more as in how quickly you can lift the weight. Okay, that's great. You've seen a slowdown, a change in the velocity. Cool, happy days, tick. That's an effective set. If you're training to a point where you're doing negatives uh, and you're, you know, doing some um, extra reps with a, with a buddy where they're trying to help you up and stuff, okay, that might be pushing beyond the point of failure and you might see so those negative effects. With the cardiovascular fitness, often training to a point where you're completely out of breath, like can't talk, can't breathe type training, yeah, that might not be great in uh, most cases. Um, so that might be a point where you're training too hard, the cardiovascular system can't really adapt to that, the heart rate is just too high. We want to be in a position where we're doing cardio, where we might be able to maintain a conversation. So if you're doing some steady state cardio, you're able to maintain a conversation. We call that the talk test. That might be representative of like an effort level of like a four, five, six, like that mid-range. You want to be able to maintain a conversation. If you're going to a point where you can't maintain a conversation, you might be training just a little too hard. And again, don't be afraid of training too hard. So yeah, that's totally fine in short bouts. But... If that is your go-to all the time, you might be facing some problems. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.